0: Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Right, so who's ready for the Word of God this Yes. Now I want to just, just share a little bit like I felt in our, we have a meeting before the service starts where we pray and we um, prepare ourselves for the service that I felt this morning that there's in heaven, there's this, like this huge blessing over our church. Um, we love blessing, but blessing follows obedience. God, we have to do what God tells us to do. And when we do that, then the blessings come. You know, when we come together to pray in our late night prayer, the blessings will follow when we're obedient and pray. You know, on sabbatical, unbeknown to Ali, God was about to download, not just to preach what he's used to, but a whole book, a whole book. And he was obedient. He heard God. And he poured into it Day after day, he was getting these messages and he had to refine it. And then he had to turn it into a book. And that is not easy. You know, it's hard work. I'm sure there were lots of late nights, Ali, <laughs> when you're doing that. Questioning, is this God? Is it not God? Should I be doing that? But he persevered. He's just turned it into this amazing six week series. And I believe when Ali ends, you know, it said, end is better than the beginning as he ends the reward for us the the people of our church the the reward is that the blessing is going to come you know requires our obedience we need to get that book and we need to read it and we need to reread it and we need to obey where it tells us To obey, but there is a blessing coming on our church because our senior leader listened and obeyed God. I don't know what's going to happen at the end of this sermon, but what I want to do is, as Ali gets up, I want us all to stand and I also want to give him a a big round of applause for obeying God that we get the most out of his message this morning. Let's stand, let's give him a big clap. Thank you, Jesus.
1: Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you. These last six weeks have been really hard for me. I think great for you because you're reading all the fruit of my labors. But they've been really, I tell you why they've been really, it's really been really hard for me. It's because one of my top strengths, I've got lots of weaknesses, but it's good to focus on your strengths. Uh, one of my top strengths is maximizer. If you've done the strength finders, um, you've got 36 strengths. And um, rather than like you, if you uh, had the experience, probably like most of you did when I was at school, um, where you had C's, D's, and E's in subjects, the teacher would always try and get them up, well, get the D to a C and the C to a B. And it's a rubbish way of going about life because there's some things we're just not great at. But actually, what about turning your A's into A pluses? Uh, and then you can actually start to be productive and fruitful in the things that God's called you to do. Um, why am I saying all that? I can't remember. I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying all that to say that um, the gift of maximizing, with all gifts, they're, they're, they're brilliant in their essence because they help us to be all we're created to be, particularly as Christians. Uh, but they can they can be a bit of an enemy for you as well. Um, So they they can be a a great blessing, but they can, they're watch outs. And with being a maximizer, I can just see everything. I can see a little, if a chair in a line is half an inch out, uh, I can see it. And those of you on the growth track, you know, I mentioned that in the video. I can't see the person in the corner crying because I've had the worst week ever. I can just see the chair. Um, But the point is, over this last six weeks, All I've been wanting to do is refine the book, and I've had to leave it, and I'm reading it with all the rest of you as well, and I'm seeing stuff, I'm seeing more and more stuff because the first chapter, the first week, obviously I read that through and changed it, and the last chapter was done in a bit of a rush, and you'll even see a line break that is totally in the wrong place today, so just be gracious, Uh, but it's a pre-publication copy, but I'm really looking forward to next week when those of you who are proofreading and coming back with comments we can get this thing absolutely tweaked and it'll never be perfect it doesn't need to be perfect but out there because we want to share want to share this information with as many people as possible and want to put that money to this building fund so that we can start to get some diggers on the front grass but anyway that, that's where we are so today is going to be a little bit different I want to give uh, an overview in the first few minutes And then I want to just concentrate just for a few minutes on this last week that we're going to be going into. Then I'm going to show a video, and then I'm going to wrap it all up at the end. I think it's important that we do uh, get repetition. Repetition is the motor of learning. It's how we get stuff absolutely deep down into our being. And if you've been faithful with the book, you'll see that some themes have just been repeated have been emphasized have been majored on and that's all deliberate because we want to come to the place where this the truth of God's word it's not it's not about the book it's about the truth of God's word getting planted deep within us why so that we can bear fruit we don't want to be like god throwing uh, the the farmer in the parable throwing the seed out and it's just landing on hard soil and we just it's literally in one ear out the other we don't want to even be like that shallow soil do we where something sprouts up and we're all excited for a few weeks and then suddenly well another six weeks time nobody's talking about the themes and the things that God has said in their lives no we want to be like that good soil where the seed of the word of God is planted down 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 so that we can produce a harvest 30, 60, 100 fold. Great numbers. Not just double, not just a bit, not just addition, but multiplication. And, and that's my heartfelt prayer for us all. Uh, like I say, it's not about the book. It's, it's about a bit of obedience. It's about me doing the best I can do in that. It's not been perfect, but it's, it's been good enough. And now to take that. So where have we been in these last few weeks? Well, we started on week one. I've got a little diagram, and I think I'm going to, one of the revisions, I'm going to put this in the book Uh, as well, just to help people. So we've got week one where we concentrated on our uh, position in Christ, that we're positioned for intimacy. We're not just... Ticking a box on a national census saying we're Christians because we come to church. We've had a life-changing experience. God says that you and I, if we're in Christ, that we are saints. I mean, that is, that is heavy language, isn't it? But that is the theological truth. We have got God living inside of us. It's only because of Him. It's only because of Him that we're saints. We are sons and daughters of the living God. I think, Cherise, you brought that in your prayer this morning. That, that registered with me. We, that's our identity in Christ. When God looks at you, if you're in Christ, he sees his son. He sees holiness, right? He sees you perfect in Christ. Remember, we are spirit in our identity. We uh, have a soul, and we live in in a body. And when God looks at you, he doesn't just look at your body. He doesn't just look at your soul. But in terms of identity, first and foremost, he looks at your spirit. And when he sees that, he sees God. He sees his son. He sees perfection. He sees wholeness. That's why we can be called saints. We came out of darkness into light. Amen? Our lives got totally changed. The Bible says we became a new creation. You know, if you think of it like a car, then you've still got the same rust work. You've still got the same panel that's been beaten. You've still um, got a bit of dirt on the outside. Yeah, clean that up. But actually, when you look under the hood, you've got a totally new engine in there. It is sparkling. It is turbocharged. It is turbocharged. It is um, anti-corrosion. I don't know. You, you, I speak to Joss. He's he's the petrol head. I don't know much about cars. But what I'm trying to say, he puts a brand new engine in the car, and that's what God looks at when He sees you. If you're in Christ, He sees His Son. It's a wonderful thing. So that was the, and it's only because of the cross. There, we went out of a place where we had no intimacy with God, where suddenly we are now positioned for intimacy and that takes us to week two which was all about uh, a long theological word called sanctification and that basically just means becoming holy so we haven't made it we've just started when we cross over the line into the kingdom of god this is, this is us, Lord, right, wow. when the adventure starts. And it carries on till the day that Jesus comes back. And sanctification is about us being holy. So we've been made perfect, holy here in our spirits. Now that's got to get infused into the rest of our lives, into our humanity. We're becoming holy. This is the whole essence, week two, is of, of the book title, The Lost Art of Being Saved. We're not saved just to be still. We've got adventure built into our DNA. We've got conquering uh, ingrained in us. We've, we've got progress as part of, of what is natural to be a Christian. So sanctification is that journey right the way till Jesus comes back. This is our journey into intimacy. And then week three, if you remember, we switched gears on weeks three and four, and we see by the diagram here that there's some opposition. The first Opposition we get is to realize that we have a. I don't know whether there's an. Oh, you can't see it very well on there. It is on there. It says self. It's a little bit hidden there. That's the key word there self. And when we are in Christ, our spirit comes alive, and this thing called the flesh, which is in our body, which is the part of us which is basically selfish it's the part of us that wore the crown in our life while we were the other side of the cross but when we accepted Jesus Christ as our lord and savior we that the crown got put on our spirit and it got put on the spirit of god which then so so now jesus is our King, he's our master, he's our Lord, and we still, but we've still got to contend until Jesus comes back. We've still got to contend with this thing called the flesh, or you might call it the carnal nature, the old way of living, the selfish way. And for till the day Jesus comes back, we are gonna have to contend with that. That is just fact. So we have to know that we're in a battle. We have to know that as, as the Apostle Paul said, look, the good I want to do, I can't find myself doing. And he's not saying it's impossible. By any stretch, it's totally possible. Why? Because the authority and the kingship is now on Jesus. Not only that, has the crown been taken off of our old self. The Bible says it's been cut off. It's still there, but it's disconnected. Our connection now is in Christ. We are totally 100% in Christ. Nothing can change that. And and, And the flesh is there. It hasn't got the kingship on it, and it's been cut off. So, friends, I want to remind you that you have Every chance, every the the odds are totally stacked in your unbelievably stacked in your favor in terms of overcoming in life, in terms of progressing, in terms of being more holy and holy. And some of you think, well, no, because of the things I've done and that and God's not happy. That is a terrible, sorry, I'm gonna say it bluntly. That is not Bible, it's a terrible way of thinking. It's a lie from the enemy. But you've got to then get on to week four, which is all about sin. Again, if you can't see, see the graphic there, the word is sin. And, and that is our barrier to intimacy. Because we will always have opposition. But the idea is the more we walk in the Spirit, the less we're bothered about that. The less it's going to have an effect on our lives. So we carry on with that. But actually, if we do not face the Spirit and look to the Word of God and, and carry out what God wants us to do, and we actually... Turn, we're going to be lured in. Do you remember that that graphic on one of the days a couple of weeks ago? with a slide. Do you remember that? So the temptation, the devil says, "Hey, come over here," and the flesh is calling you, and those temptations and lust of the flesh and all the rest of it. And and if. If they're always going to be there, that's not a sin. It's not even a sin if you turn around. It's not healthy. But actually, the more you focus on it, the more you go up the slide. And then suddenly, if you succumb to that temptation, you then sin down the slide, end up in a big muddy puddle in the end. And then you've got to get yourself cleaned up. And we do that time and time. We go back, get cleaned up, go back to the slide, get tempted. No, we need to understand. We can break this cycle. And, and we've got to be free from that. And the best way is to focus on the spirit so sin will separate us from the pre- the ultimate manifest presence of god you can't go anywhere from god he's inside of you i mean it's it's like there's no way out of this there's no way out of this there's no escape but the enemy will make you feel bad now don't get me wrong god's not pleased when we sin he's not happy but it's not like I'm oh, God. I'm not happy. I'm gonna thwart you. No, no, no. It's not. It's not like that. It's like you've got to understand children. Family conference. He's saying you've, you've, you've this, this thing called sin. When you do wrong, it's it pulls you away from the intimacy that I've. Want the ultimate manifest presence where I can show you things that you wouldn't even dream of. Where I can comfort you in ways that you've never been comforted before. And we could go on and on and on. And I'm going on and on and on. So let's go quickly to week five. Which was all about servanthood. That's where we just come to the end of uh, this week. The fact is that we accepted Jesus Christ... As our saviour. But we also accepted him as our Lord. And it's a big missing part of, I think, the whole of Christendom in the world today. Is that we need to, again, not overreach and readdress a balance to take it to some ugly extreme where... Well, I won't go there. But actually, just to see the two sides of the coin that we saw in week one. That God is love, but he's also holy. And we want to follow him because he's our master. Remember... We are predominantly and, and if you're hearing this for the first time, go back and listen to last week's message because because you you, you you might miss the the diamond in the rough of this statement. We are slaves to Christ who serve him we, we when we remember the lights at the back here, when we see one when we see the master light do something, we don't have to get stressed oh, i don't know all the all the commandments and i don't know the best way to live in my life well we're all growing in that week too we're all being sanctified but actually all we need to do is look to jesus what is he doing right i'm going to do it how would jesus deal with this situation right that's how i'm going to deal with it that's as easy but as powerful as it is and when we do that oh, right, okay jesus forgave people right well i think i need to forgive that person and then, and then you, you, your intimacy is getting greater and you're realizing, and, and I'm finding this certainly in the last six months of my life, that there's, there's things that I've just accepted because they've always been accepted. Again, the motor, the learning, and I've always accepted them and they haven't seemed that bad, but then you think, oh, actually, no, that's not right. And then you have to repent and you have to say sorry to God and you have to go. And then suddenly it's like just life in Christ is opening up more and more and the, the, the flowers are, are blossoming. So, so servanthood, serving, being slaves to Christ in that, in that connectedness to doing what he uh, does is so vital. And that brings us on to week six, which we're on. And that is all about being spirit-led. So can you see the journey? Does that help? The, so, we, 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 we are not finishing. As I said, we are starting now. We're just starting. And it will be good for some of you just to start the book and read the book again. Maybe a few times. Because God will show you stuff. I've just done four pages on a, a chapter a day, which could be a whole book in itself. And that's, the, I think, as I said in the book, either in the introduction or, or the conclusion, that's not the way I would want to write a book. Because I'm a maximizer. I want to do one book on just one of those days and actually pull everything out of there. Uh, that's why I'm fairly confident I know this was God because this is not the way I would write a book. So, but it's, it's about getting into that place, that manifest presence of God, that greater and greater uh, intimacy with him. And I want to pull out just a couple of scriptures here to help us. I'm going to do one before the video and one after. And the first one is from 1 Corinthians 2.16. says, who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, and he's quoting Isaiah the prophet. And Isaiah is basically painting this grandeur, correct picture of God that, you know, he's, he's massive. And and it, I guess it echoes a little bit of last week when we talk about the familiarity we have with God, and that's good. And we, we, you know, remember He calls us friends. But let's let's just remember in that relationship, it's not best buddies; it's son or daughter and father. And he's in, and and let's have the best relationship with our heavenly Father we can. like we we want for every person on the planet, but. He's the boss, and it says, Right, and Isaiah's painting this Who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? And if you stop there, you miss totally and get it absolutely back to front what Paul is saying because he then goes on to say, Next, in the next breath, But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Don't forget, when you stepped into the kingdom, and God came into your spirit, yeah? You remember that day? When the Prince of Peace came and kissed the frog, and we became born again. We had the fullness of God living inside of. Ephesians says you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. So which ones have been missed out of that statement? None. It's not a trick question. We've got everything inside. We've just got to get it out. So we, within the fullness, we've got the mind of Christ. We have to operate in it. We, we, we can know all things. No, we don't because we, we're not perfect. But in our week two journey of sanctification, holiness, and being becoming more like Christ, he will start to reveal things supernaturally. Not just in your, in your mind, in your soul realm, your natural mind, if you will, but in your spirit. You can know things. Now, we have to be careful with that, because it can turn a little bit wappy and it, it can look a bit ugly, and we have to govern that, and we have to test that, and we have to weigh things up. But let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. We can know, you can put that next slide on, we can know all things. There it is. So we're on this journey. And I want to just focus in these last few minutes on this. Intimacy is all about relationship, right? If I never spoke to Kate, uh, you could put down on paper that we're married, that we run the church together and all the rest of it. But if we don't speak, we're not going to grow. If I don't listen to her, (laughs) I knew she'd give that look. (laughs) <laughs> Josh has got a highlighter if you want I think he's happy to lend you give you notes you know what I'm saying we have, we have to be connected and we can know we're connected but it's not the same at all we've got to actively this is the lost art of being saved not just knowing that you're saved but being saved so our word for this year is to be saved And out of our being, we're going to do the great and amazing things that God is calling us to do. But it all starts with being, being in his presence. No matter how much you know it's good to spend time with the Lord, no matter how much you can amen the fact that a a quiet time with the Lord, you know is beneficial, no matter how much just being alone with God is the right thing to do in your head? Great start. But, friends, I want to encourage you if you struggle with this, it's not a surprise because the enemy knows it's the thing you need to catapult. If you've got ever, you can read this whole book, but if you're not, it's just going to be theory if you don't put it into practice, if you're not actually just being still with the Lord. And then, once you're still with the Lord, then you take Him into your day, and he's there. Well, you don't really remember one of those chapters early on was the, the chart about the week, and we're spending time work, sleeping, um, going to church, doing our everyday chores, and all the rest of it. God's in all of that. We connect with him at different levels, but this is the time, a time for you to be alone with the creator of the cosmos. Wow. Listen, I, I'm coming against every, I speak against every spirit of condemnation in this place. I say be gone in the name of Jesus because I'm revealing something wonderful to you here. If you've never done that, just start for five minutes, just talking to God. Just, just set your alarm five minutes earlier. That's all you need to do. And maybe for some of you who are experienced in this thing called being saved, and I want to encourage you, you know, you, maybe you have an hour's quiet time. Well, what about two? You say, Ali, I haven't got two i make two. If it really, really means something to you. I mean, maybe start at an hour and 10 minutes and do it up because it probably won't work if you just jump from one to two. But the last six months, I've intentionally put more time into spending with God and I've so reaped the benefits. And you know what? She's reaped the benefits of me reaping the benefit. Didn't need to amen so loudly, but thank you. It starts with us and a commitment. You might say, Ali, you're the pastor, you work for the church, and you've been on sabbatical. Yeah, I know, but... And some of that is me using some of that time so that I can be a better leader. But actually, it's about me setting my alarm earlier. So I'm no different from any of you. No different at all. I'm going to watch a clip now, then the band's going to come up, and I'm going I'm to close out. But pay attention to this. This is a good few minutes long. But it makes a really good point
2: better than I could myself. An advertising executive came down to talk to me after a service, and he had just become a Christian. I had baptized him at the church, and so, and uh, he said, I just can't make time for a meeting with God. He said, You have no idea what it's like to commute downtown every day, and you live in a different world. I, can't, I just can't fit, it, fit that kind of thing into my life. And I remember looking at this young guy, hard-charging young guy, and and I said, here's my experience, and I'm not, you know, I'm only like 24 years old, so there it is. I said, I've always been able to make time for stuff I value. Just how my life works. If I value something, I'll make time to experience it. If I don't, I won't. And I'm making time for a meeting with God in my life. You do it any way you want. And uh, he wasn't too happy with me that day, I don't think, and I didn't see him for a while, and then afterwards, I saw him many months later, and when he came down to talk to me, he, his countenance was different. He felt different. His conversation was different, and he invited Lynn and me. He and his wife invited Lynn and me to go over to their house for dinner, so we accepted. He lived right in the area, and so we go over to their house, and uh, as we're kind of just having some appetizers beforehand, he takes me over to a rocking chair. And he says, "You know how you challenged me to have a meeting with God and to just to make the time." He said, "I, I've, I love rocking chairs, so I bought a good one. And you said that maybe if you're going to make this repeatable and enjoyable, you should look at some scene or vista that you enjoy looking at. And he said, "I've got a little backyard here, and I love looking over the backyard." So he said, "I, I just bought this chair, and I put it in, at my favorite window where I can overlook the backyard." And he said, I got up a half hour earlier, 15, 20 minutes, half hour earlier each day, the last several months. I sit in the chair, I have a cup of coffee, and he goes, I read God's word. I try to make sense of it. I ask him to speak to me by his word. Then I meditate on it, reflect it, apply it to my life. Then he said, I write some thoughts down in a journal and I pray. I pray that I will be more aware of his presence in my life. And I said, how's, how's that going for you? And his wife jumped in and said, I'll tell you how it's going for him. He's a changed guy. What happens to him when he sits in that chair has changed him. He's more centered. He's a more gentle and loving man in our marriage and to our children. I was very impressed with this, that he could show me his chair, that he had taken the time, that he had... Fashioned a meeting with God that he looked forward to because he liked the chair, he liked the view, he liked the coffee he was a morning guy and he fell into this pattern many months later uh, I had coffee with him one time and he said I'm thinking about leaving my job in advertising he said it just, it, um, I think I'm done with that I said where would you get these ideas and he said well in my meetings with God in the chair <laughs> That's, he's been putting those thoughts in my mind I said, what are you going to do? And he said, maybe I'll just help you build the church. I said, well, no one's getting paid around here, you know. (laughs) And he said, well, I've done pretty well in advertising. I can hold on for a while, and and, uh, maybe if the church grows, you know, then maybe they can help me and my family in some way. And I said, well, you better go back to that chair and see if God's really in this, because I don't want to take responsibility for your life and all this. He said, okay, I will, and came back about a month later, and he said, you know, I I gave notice at at work, and if it's all the same to you, I'm just going to help you start building the church. Pay me what you can, but it's not a concern of mine. And this guy joined our staff, and I'm telling you, he was a hardworking, energized, joyful, uh, industrious individual that really, really helped our church, and was on our staff for many, many years. One of the best staff members in the early days of the church. Then one day he comes into my office and he said, you know, I I still do that meeting with God in that chair, that rocking chair. And he said, God's been stirring in my life in my meetings with God. And he said, "Uh, a friend of mine's starting a brand new church in Colorado, and I think I'm going to pack my family up and move to Colorado. I said, can they support you? He said, no, I'm going to have to go back into the marketplace and make some money because they, they can't afford anything. And uh, I said, are you ready to do that? And he said, you know, every morning I talk to God about it. And he said, I'm really fired up about it. So we said goodbye to him, and he packed his family up, and he went out, and he went back into advertising, made a lot of money, and gave most of it to the startup church. And it became a fantastic church. And then in that same chair that he moved out to Colorado, sitting at a window in the morning, like he had done for many, many years now. He processed a bad medical report he got from the doctor that cancer had come his way. And he kept working and he kept supporting that church and uh, he got sicker and sicker. It was a very fast spreading kind of cancer. And uh, then he was hospitalized. And one of the great losses he felt when he was in the hospital is that he didn't have his chair. And he died quite soon thereafter, and I did his funeral in Colorado. And I was talking to his widow, his wife, uh, at the funeral reception afterwards. I said, that was something about that chair, wasn't it? She said, his whole life changed in that chair. I said, what are you going to do with the chair? And she said, we are going to pass that chair onto our children and onto our grandchildren in the hopes that someone would sit in it like Tom did and have their life transformed. Simple question, gang. Where's your chair? Where do you meet with God? Where do you reflect on his word and open yourself to his power? Where, where do you become aware of his presence in your life? Where is that? And some of you go, well, you know, I mean, I don't have a nice backyard to look out on. It doesn't work for me. It, the thing about the unlimited presence of God is that you can meet with him anywhere. Your chair can be Anywhere. When we first started, Lynn and I first started taking our summer study breaks in South Haven, that little town on the other side. Uh, We rented a one-bedroom cottage in the summer times, and so it was chaos with two kids in, in that cottage. So I would leave and I would go to the Burger King in the morning for 30, 40, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour. First booth on the right when you come in the door, Main Street in South Haven. I did that little practice for nine years. Fiberglass booth and a Burger King. I made some of the most important ministry and personal decisions in my life. Fiberglass booth and a Burger King. To this day when I drive by that Burger King, I look at it and I go, man, God met me there. There's a carpenter in this church that meets with God every morning in the front seat of his pickup truck. Brings a thermos of coffee and his Bible. Half hour before the construction starts, he just sits in the front seat of his pickup truck, absorbs the Word of God, meets with God, surrenders himself with God, to God, asks for direction in his life. A young mom that I know goes to Starbucks whenever she can, corner table, meets with God. Where's your chair? When you meet with a friend, let's say for a lunch, what happens is, if you've connected with that friend, after you leave the restaurant or wherever it is, you think about that friend later on in the afternoon. When you meet with God, you think about him more throughout the course of your day. His presence lingers after the meeting. Where's your chair?
1: Powerful, yeah. I've watched that loads of times. I get a moist eye every time. Very powerful. We leave you with one scripture. What a legacy. What a legacy to leave. We are all wanting the happy ending, weren't we? Got healed of cancer. And we believe that in this church. We believe God wants us whole and well. But things are tough in this life. We haven't got it all worked out. God has. But even better than that, what a legacy to leave the chair which represents the presence of almighty God let me leave with one scripture and we're going to sing we're going to believe for God's greatness to come in any void that we care to make for him this morning do you remember the teaching on the tabernacle a couple of weeks ago this is from that. Moses was meeting face-to-face with the Lord. And it says in Exodus thirty-three, eleven, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face-to-face. Wow. As one speaks to a friend. Afterwards, Moses would return to the camp. Here we go. Just get this. Just capture this in your spirits. But the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of none would remain behind in the tent of meeting didn't have to but he wanted to why wouldn't you want to joshua was the one who led the people to the fulfillment of the promise into the promised land i believe joshua had to spend those times to be all that he could be to do all the things that God called him to do so that's my challenge to us all where's your chair if you're already in your chair how about just lingering a little longer who knows what you might miss if you don't I was walking back from the men's meeting on Friday we had a fantastic time together Simon led us brilliantly and his team And I walked home, and I just was just praying. And I cut across the field, pitch black, and just just calling out to God. And I just couldn't go. I thought I can just carry on walking, go home, have a cup of tea, get to bed, or I could just stay here for a bit. I walked around the field for about I don't know, probably half an hour, just calling out to God. And in those moments that I hadn't done, I probably missed some encouragement, some things that God is saying. So linger a little bit more. Let's stand to our feet. Because the truth is, when we're in the presence of God, when we're connecting with the creator of the cosmos, when we have our heavenly father embracing us, melting away all our cares, when we're in that place, when we give to him our issues, we put them to the cross where they're dealt with, we we say, Lord, I'm not carrying this anymore, because your burden is light, your yoke is easy, and I want to walk in step with you, and that's where we're going in this final week. But as we do, we can expect for the impossible to happen. What was that verse? Oh, where's my wife gone?
0: Behind you. Oh, yeah. Behind you. She's only gone
1: and had... <laughs> Was that was that a comedy beat or an accident? Right? Yeah. (laughs) Should have you on the back every time I preach, actually. Now, could you go ding every time I do a a dad joke? What was the verse you had? She's had another tattoo. What was the verse about the impossible and Mark 9:23? Mark 9:23. Only believe. Yeah. What was the one that about? I mean, you got. She's had two tattoos. What was the other one? You can't remember, can you? Ephesians 3.20. There you go, Ephesians 3.20.
0: God can do immeasurably more, infinitely more than we could ever ask, dream or imagine.
1: I don't know about you friends, but it's my experience. You only get that connection in the chair or in the truck or in the Burger King, wherever it is. Why don't we make a commitment right now in our hearts that we do our best to follow through to be in the presence of our Saviour. And even now, as we welcome Him into a deeper measure of our hearts, who knows? Who knows? Friends, our God's calling on our lives as a church is great, great, and greater, even down to the R word, which is revival. So why don't you, with me, just open a, a big shape in your heart that can fit the word revival in. First and foremost for you, but as we all come to connect together and connect, who knows what God will do amongst us all. Let's let's worship.